Hi everyone, uh, this is an update from our air-to-air -air kind of, uh, this might turn into a series I think because it's becoming very quickly a very big interest of mine. Air-to-air -air heat pumps, uh, where are they needed, how do we use them, are they any good, are they rubbish, should we just use air to water, loads of questions. <laughs> seen a kind of previous video today i've got on richard clark um richard uh, well he'll tell us a bit about his background but this is kind of his bag uh, and has been for a very long time rich can you tell us a bit more about your sort of background hi adam um yes i started out when i was about 13 so i used to write to the likes of mitsubishi electric and dakin and ask for service manuals and books to sort of understand how their products worked I would literally be really, you know, sort of interested in the technology behind it and everything like that. And that's kind of developed as I've gone through my career. Currently working sort of facilities management. So I run massive commercial office buildings with, you know, you can imagine huge amounts of kit in the buildings. The control strategies, the BMS systems that are in place for me is kind of just bread and butter now. So for me to talk about it on a residential element, you know, it's a smaller version of that. And that's why I'm really, you know, interested in the channel here. I would definitely say I'm a, a true heat geek. The fact you do what you do and who you are and me, who I do, what I am. I think you, you said it earlier on, just before we recorded, you need to have an interest in this really to get to, to really get into it. Because there's a lot to learn, right? Unless you're like spoon fed it, like we've done with the course. Would you, would you find that as well? Absolutely. Yeah. So it's another language, isn't it? When you start going to the depths of controls and everything like that it's from what you see on your boiler you know from what uh, you know mrs dorothy can see on her boiler controls to what we can see we're looking behind the behind that aren't we and we're looking into the language used and the terminologies and everything like that and then we put that into a way that people can understand you've got engineers at the minute and i'm on some refrigeration engineer forums i'm not fgas registered but you know i'm for the work that i'm in i can sit in a room and sort of tell engineers that i think they're wrong that kind of thing and then yeah. i'll get the controls experts who earn a lot of money should i say 600 quid a day for a bms engineer to come to a building and yeah, sit yeah. there in front of a computer and and you know these kind of things is an engineer will just shrug the shoulders you know yeah. and then you'll get people like us that might be interested in that side yeah. of thing yeah. and want to branch out but don't understand the technology yeah, yeah. and you know put off by manufacturers wanting to charge certain amounts of money for the courses to understand the kit exactly you know there's certain yeah. features on some of these systems i'm like why are they not enabled by default why is it something that is there as an option but at the marketing period on the youtube videos it's there is a feature but they're yeah. not enabled by default yeah 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 there's uh, there's a long way to go with all that i think and as sort of automation and stuff comes in i think hopefully all that opens up and we just let computers do uh, some of it has to be taken off us because computers are more intelligent than people yeah yeah they're designed yeah. around to do one task it's, so it's interesting how us in this country do air conditioning very differently to say america you know i, I went to florida on holiday and literally you, they air condition the street almost because all the shops have the doors open they use these massive huge big air handling units to provide the air through the building yeah. whereas we've got these little zone split systems which yeah. works more efficiently and these huge air handling units just dump air into the floor so much right, it just spills out into the floor outside watching my video where were the gaps? So I would represent a typical uh, heating engineer's kind of view, potentially. Um, uh, well, maybe not typical. Maybe it's a little bit more in depth. Where were my gaps? Where, what was incorrect? So I think, Adam, your um, gaps were in relation to the knowledge between, obviously, what you do for a living with, at the moment, air to water, um, the heat geek side of stuff. I think air to air is something that's been around for quite a while now but it's very misunderstood. Most people just see air to air, you know, more commonly known as air conditioning, which has been around for a long, long time. Not I think the gap... Though, is it? Pretty much is though, isn't it? Because it's a heat pump. A heat pump is literally moving heat from one place to another. But air, air conditioner, yeah, heat pump is, yeah. But yeah. air conditioner is meant to control CO2 and humidity, isn't it? And it doesn't do CO2, so... Not CO2, do. so you're removing... So you've got to think, right, whether you're indoors or outdoors, so whether you're moving the heat from inside, from cooling, to the outside, 
yeah. or you're moving it from the outside to the inside, yeah, that's heat you've, got, yeah. you've got a compressor that's moving that heat from one area to another, just that's like it. your fridge freezer does from yeah, inside to the outside. That's yeah. the heat pump there. I'm, I'm aware yeah. it's a heat pump, but is it is it air conditioning if it doesn't control um, CO2? Because it's not conditioning the air, is it? So m- no air conditioning systems really control the CO2 level. Oh. So... Obviously, there is certain closed control systems, obviously operating theatres that control the dust level in the system through really advanced filtration mechanisms. You'll have air handling units on commercial office buildings that can be programmed and work with a certain control strategy to bring more fresh air into the building to control the um, the CO2 levels in the building based on what's being taken out of the building. They'll ramp the fan speeds up to sort, you know, a bit like you open your, all your windows as opposed to one window in your house. So there are systems that will control the CO2, but an air conditioning system, as I would call a simple split system or a multiple split system or a VRV system, they're all known as air conditioning systems. Do you, do you know Nathan from BizTeach? I don't know. Nathan, Beta Talk? Nope. He did have an argument with that with you about yeah. that, but I'm not going to be involved. Because <laughs> yeah. whatever you're doing with the air, you condition it. So whether you're removing particulates from the air, you are conditioning that air. You, you know, it depends on how much you're doing it. Controlling the temperature of the air, whether that's through heating or cooling, you are conditioning that air. Generally, it's accepted air-to-air systems will filter the air to some degree, yeah. you know that kind of thing so you know humidity control yes there's an element in cooling one of the byproducts of cooling the air is you remove humidity if if you're cooling below the dew point yeah 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 which is always makes things more comfortable in fairness uh absolutely yeah so um okay let's get to meat and bones uh, so a lot of the things I was talking about was uh, about um, uh, comfortability. And uh, I, I mean, I think this is a well-known thing in the industry. And you've already agreed with me previously on this, that radiant heat just is more comfortable. So yeah. my, my my system, you've pointed out, actually, there's tons of controls in there that I could, probably could have got into and played around with. don't have the time, um, uh, but perhaps someone could at some point. Um, but what what the point is, is although it can be less comfortable and you do have to have the air temperature a bit higher, which counteracts potentially a better scop, there's many things you can do inside the system to reduce the cycling, reduce the air flows, and there's less air movement. There's stuff we can do to make it more comfortable. And we've probably not done any of that. So my experience is probably totally inaccurate, right? Yeah, quite possibly. And I think we're going back to the whole argument, which is kind of really what your call set out to do was to better the industry. So we've got air conditioning engineers that obviously have had to do an F-gas to be able to install that equipment. And they know how the refrigerant cycle works, I would assume, you know, that kind of thing. But they're installing units and then they just set and forget. You know, if you're lucky, you might get the engineer to show you how to use the controller, that kind of thing, and how to turn it on and that, you know, whatnot. But we've got systems that are being installed. And if you've got a wired controller, which I believe your cassette unit, your ceiling mounted cassette unit does have, the settings in there that can be optimized based on the installation because no two rooms are the same. So you've got certain settings in there to account for the ceiling height of the room. You know, obviously it's accepted that warm air rises. So a unit blowing warm air out at ceiling level will possibly struggle to get the the air down to the lower parts of the room where people are actually sit. So the settings in there straight away that should be checked to be able to see if, if it's set for the room conditions. You can also set where the unit reads the temperature from. So again, on a wired controller, you usually have a little sensor inside there for it to read from where you're actually sat in the room. Or by default, if you don't have a wired controller, it will read from the unit, which again, it's reading it from quite a warm space at ceiling level, which is where all the air tends to gather. It's on the air inlet, obviously. On the air inlet, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so by setting that unit, so it reads from where the wired controller is, assuming the wired controller is in the same room as the unit that you're using to cool or heat space, that you're better off setting it at that because that's generally usually about 1.3 metres from the floor, that, you know, light switch level. Just um, so so really amazing uh, first point there, though, and I suppose the whole point is that just like the heating industry, uh, we get a gas uh, certificate typically. Um, that doesn't mean they know how to size radiators or fine tune or hydraulically connect the system into the house in the best way. Yeah. 
exactly the same as that. An F gas engineer hasn't been taught the thermodynamics or uh, building dynamics as yeah. to how to get the most performance out of that uh, and most comfortability, which is... And I think, Adam, this is because, obviously, systems used to be basic on-off control. You Literally, the compressor would come on full pelt. Once yeah. it reached temperature, go off. There was very little... You know, like cars, there was very little to go wrong on them. And it was like boilers was the same sort of thing. And obviously the technology, you know, for example, um, Dakin invented um, VR, VRV and VRF. Yeah. Um, their particular version of it was VRV. They invented that in 1982. So the technology has been around for a long that, time that's, now. That's the modulating, basically. The modulating. It's exactly but, the same story as the heat boilers. Sorry, carry yeah. on. Yeah. But your your basic split systems these days, and you, you you know whether you've got a multiple unit that has three or four indoor units on one outdoor unit, they're still modulating. They're a small, you know, they're a softer version of, of VRV, but they still limit the amount of refrigerant flow by um, slowing the compressor down. Yes. So, but. To be able to understand those, you have to generally go on more advanced commissioning courses. And a lot of the manufacturers are quite close to this. So you've got to go on their particular course and pay money to go on that training course. A lot of the bigger systems, you have to plug a laptop in to be able to do those. But, you know, the basic system, which we're, we're probably talking about today, you can access some of those settings regularly through the wired controller. But it's important to note as well, when you get your user manual, after you've had your system installed, if there is any settings given to you, won't be able to change these settings. They're known as field settings or installation settings. This, this, the parallels here between the uh, wet, wet systems uh, and air-to-air -air are like, I would never have thought they were, so, looking back, it's like kind of obvious. But um, I, I genuinely feel like Heat Geek now has a new mission. This is literally what we do in Heat Geek. Yeah, we just need to angle it now towards air to air to perfect that and improve the reputation. Because the yeah. reason heat pumps weren't taking off, and yeah, they, they well, they definitely are taking off now. Actually, uh, was because of this lack of understanding. Yeah, uh, perhaps it's the same with air to air. And if we improve the knowledge, people are going to start to love air to air. Um, I, like you've now given a new um, a new mission for Heat Geek, and I can definitely see a, an additional kind of uh, aim here where we, we talk about this, because this is all relevant. So yes, con convected air, because it's still convection, right? Um, it is, yeah. A, a, a convection may be less comfortable, there's, but there's a way of making convected heat more comfortable. That's the point, yeah. right? Yeah. So that kind of leads me on to the, the other point that I wanted to just discuss is, it's really important to know that obviously air to air systems or air conditioning, as it's widely known, you know, however you, you know, decide how many things you're doing with that air, whether you're filtering it or humidifying it, that kind of thing. Yes. The, the delivery method of heat into the air is, is via the air, which obviously transfers it from the refrigerant into the air. And then obviously a fan blows that into the room. So compare that to your climate control system in your car. When you get in that car and it's either really cold or it's really hot, the fans will ramp up really fast because the more air you move, the more duty you're getting from the system. And that's the same as having more water flow through a radiator. More water flow equals more duty from yeah. the system. So it's yeah. exactly the same thing. So you limit that by your fan speeds. Yeah. So like, like I've just compared it to a car's climate control system. Once you start to reach the temperature that you've actually set, your comfortable temperature, the fans will start to slow down to provide less duty. Yep, yep, yep. So the, the, the big thing here is air-to-air -air systems or air conditioning systems, anything that moves the air, it's, it's duty rated based on the fan speed setting to high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a 3.5 kilowatt unit, for example, will only provide that duty with the fan speed set to high. And it's rated at certain outdoor temperatures. So they may base that on 25 degrees outside with a high fan speed setting with an indoor temperature of 21 degrees, for example. This mm -hmm. varies across manufacturers yeah. with that fan speed set to high. So if you've sized and picked a unit to provide 3.5 kilowatt duty on a 30 degree day, obviously we've had 40 degrees this summer in some places, yeah. and your heating or cooling load is 3.5 kilowatts, then on a cold or hot day, depending on if you're in heating or cooling, you'll have to run that unit at the high fan speed to get the required airflow through the unit to give you that duty. So the room temperature is reached, then you can start to drop back the, you know, the fan speeds, which ultimately then starts giving you a lower output to the room. What happens is, is people just leave them in high, you then burn out the motors, you know, if the if the volume felt properly. I, I would assume that it would naturally, and again, this is the, to draw the yeah. this is modulating controls that came into the heating industry. No yeah. one 
people are starting to use weather condensation thank goodness like yeah finally. this is a similar sort of thing right so um they yeah. don't do, i'm assuming they don't do weather compensators it's all kind of room based it's more well the, the, there is in a way adam yes yeah. so you obviously some systems the indoor unit will have an automatic fan speed again same as your car climate control on auto so the fans you know some are better than others some of them won't and you literally can only select low medium or high fan speed so it's more down to the user to select and be a bit more adaptable if you get a unit that's got auto fan speed then it'll generally drop the fan speed down but it still might only drop it to the minimum of medium it yeah. might never go as low so you might have yeah. to physically put it into low so it's just understanding how they work but the inverter units also have a temperature sensor on the outdoor unit. So that works on a linear control. So the colder it is outside, the unit knows the compressor has to work harder and, and it'll also run the outdoor fan faster or slower depending on what the conditions are to adapt the refrigerant temperature to be able to give you the load. So there has, you know, if it's an inverter driven system, it will have an outdoor air temperature sensor. Okay, uh, but it, if it didn't have that, it would kind of get that from the feedback of the room wasn't up to temperature anyway, and it would ramp yeah, up. Yeah, but it's important it to be, be able to read the outdoor temperature because obviously that's where it's extracting the heat or it's dumping the heat into. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I suppose more data, the better. This is really... Yeah. Um, okay, uh, where was I? Um, and then obviously once the room temperature starts to reach, then obviously that inverter will start to slow down as well because it knows that there's there's less of a difference. And this is key, right? Slowing that fan speed down. Yeah. Uh, for one, we're not removing the boundary layer around our body. We're keeping the air stiller in the room, which yeah. is more comfortable at lower temperatures. Um, yeah. It's more comfortable in general. Um, uh, so, so fan speed is key. Make sure we lower that. Um, so the, the the higher the fan speed, the smaller the delta T, the lower the span fan speed, the wider the delta T between the air inlet and the out, outlet, right? Yeah. So is there a balance there? Like perhaps, oh, well, our fan speed's really slow, but it's really hot outlet, but not quick enough return. Uh, well, this is the problem. Even so, you know, like anything, there'll be certain times of the year it'll still be oversized. If it's, yeah. you know, spring, autumn, that kind of thing, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you could be oversized for cooling or you could be oversized for heating. So, Again, if you aren't going to set your system properly and you're just going to run it in medium or high fan speed all the time, the unit may come up to temperature so quickly that the, the control logic isn't able to reduce the, the inverter speeds down quick enough. So then you end up with cycling and that's the worst thing that can happen because once that unit cycled off, you then have to wait for the room temperature to drop by, by a degree before it'll go, right, I need to kick back in again. And then there'll be a period of like running period where maybe 10 minutes where the unit has to run at a certain frequency to allow for the oil to circulate through the system. And then it'll settle back out. And obviously, again, you've got the issue then of it's cycling because the route, you know, the, there's still too much air movement. So, so less efficiency and less comfortability. Yep. Yeah, so you uh, you know it's the same as air to water. You want that system running for as long as possible on a heating cycle. We're using scroll compressors, obviously. So what's like? How come? Is it just because we've got to get that phase change thing going? There's more fridge line, and we've got to get more um, uh, uh, liquid into gas, and vice versa. You know. So there's some of them are, are scroll compressors. They're not all scroll compressors. Generally, the the larger systems are scroll. Um, the issue we've got is in heating mode, the refrigerant is circulating around the system, and then it needs to be able to get back to the compressor. So yeah, between the two so actually yeah. this is worse than like a monoblock in in a way because it's got more fridge line to kind of complete the uh the two phases right in, in a way yes so what will happen with some systems is even if it's not needed to go into a defrost cycle because it's mild every maybe two or three hours it may shut down and do what's what is effectively a defrost cycle yeah. it'll run in cooling with the indoor fans off to allow for that refrigerant to be passed back to the outdoor unit yeah, and yeah. that's just part of the control strategy when okay. it comes to that. But, but, and, and exactly and all these things we're fine-tuning means that you, you'll be minimizing either defrosts or that kind of process um, yeah uh, uh, yeah okay and it means it doesn't have to kind of start again and get the engine going um yeah you're very quickly like pulling all of my geeky attention air to air sounds actually fascinating i think there's a fear in the heating industry air to air seems too easy especially if it's like you know, it's already gas filled or whatever, and you can dump one unit on one side and uh, one the other. Like, where you know, are we going to lose our jobs? But I'm kind of being reassured here by 
no, it's nice and complicated. We do still have a job. I think it's, uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's adapting. I think there's a real opportunity to, you know, for everybody to move with the times and the technology that's been around since like 1982. It's not just chuck them in. Yes, wall-mounted units are easy to fit. You've got, obviously, you've got to have the F-gas. You know, we're lucky in this country is that only F-gas engineers can do that and understand the, you know, the consequences of, of venting gas into and the I atmosphere. I think that should remain. Uh, I yeah. think that should absolutely remain. Isn't there units so that are already charged with gas and you can somehow not It's a nightmare. Them? Yeah, you, you know, if you yeah. look on YouTube, you'll find a lot of the Americans installing their own systems and they'll buy the kit online, you know, the, the vacuum pumps, and they'll they'll look they look but like you do always need to vacuum out the gas and like there's no like pre you do but you'll see some people just venting a bit of the refrigerant out to clear the lines right you know you're meant to put nitrogen in there and you're meant to pressure test well, it I don't think the americans they don't have gas safe either they're just like, no but they no. also have you seen like they're they're behind on every level when it comes to like heat, like condensing boilers are like fancy for that well, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they've obviously, you know, over there, you've got your um, heat pump water heaters, which I think we've now got over here now. I'm not so, you know, I've not seen them as much, but, yeah. you know, the, the Americans have huge big basements. So, you know, some of these units are like monoblock units and they, you know, they just remove the heat from the room, put it into the cylinder and the room temperature potentially could drop. Imagine if we did that over here in this little under, you know, under cupboard. I mean, it's mental anyway, though, obviously, if you're yeah. trying to build a building, you don't want the, the, the ground floor cooler. Um, yeah. So that's another good point then. So uh, something else missing from my video, which I, I was aware of the, the air, uh, air to water, um, uh, uh, hot water cylinders. But obviously uh, my argument at the time was if you're going to get that, well, you can afford a wet system, just have, you know, just have a wet system. But I was also missing, I kept on talking about cassettes on the wall, which actually yeah. cassettes are the ones in the roof ceiling, right? And yes. the wall ones are called something else. And then there's the ones that I think, is that one behind you there? Tell me about what I'm missing. So... I, in my, I'm at home at the moment. I'm working from home at the moment. So that you can see behind me under the, well, it's not a mirror ball. It's a light fitting, but there's a ducted unit there in a bulkhead. And it's basically a unit that you might get in a hotel room. So you can either have the unit like that with just a grill on the front and you'll see underneath it where the pink light is. There's a return air grill there. And then obviously there's a filter in, in between. Or you can have those units up in the loft, which I do as well. They're exactly the same units. However, there's flexible ductwork comes off the front of that. And then I've just got, you know, supply and return grills in each of the rooms upstairs. That's how you can have them set. But you've got to set them for the environment. Now, when you fit these units, you get a wall-mounted controller with them, whether it's a ceiling cassette unit or a ductage unit, you generally get a wired controller installed with them. And they come as default set to medium static pressure. So assuming you've got a small bit of ductwork. Now, there's there's hardly any static pressure on this system that I've got downstairs. Yeah. Um, and the same upstairs, it's pretty much straight onto the grills. And I've oversized the ductwork so yeah. that the there is less... Get pushed far to yeah. get to where it's got to go out. So you've got to set the ESP, the external static pressure, or in your case, Adam, the ceiling height, which basically sets the fan speeds that you can configure on the wired controller so the user might have a choice of low medium or high fan speeds and that corresponds to lower revolutions of the motor we, we do have that here and yeah i've seen the angles of the fins i've played around with that yeah but, yeah knowing what it's doing. so when you've got them set to medium there may be a certain number of revolutions that that motor goes that represents low fan speed, medium and high fan speed. So when you set the static pressures or ceiling height, those low fan speeds then change. So for example, with a medium static pressure unit, the fan speed in low may be the equivalent of medium if the static pressure was set to low, if that makes sense. Yes, it does, yeah. Yeah, if it's set to a high static pressure, yeah, then yeah. The, the fan speed that you see when you set it to low may yeah. be the equivalent of high yeah. on a low static pressure yeah, it installation. Yeah, just moves the range around the yes. band. Yeah, yes, okay. but nobody does that. So effectively, <laughs> you know, you, you, you're installing a system with, with low ceilings, you know, or low, low static pressure, and you're actually getting much more duty than the units rated for. Is there like a how-to guide on it? Like this sounds like, I mean, I'm sure you could write a book on it and make it really complicated, but like step one, set pressures, step two, set fins that they're right, they're called fins? There is, there is no guide on what to do. It will it's be truly down to, yeah, it's truly down to, to people being interested in that. But again, there's people putting wall-mounted units in. 
yeah when you've got a simple remote controller you yeah. know you don't have the same level of settings to do so it's down to being able to set it for low fan speed uh, yeah, and, yeah. and and have it you know using what you've got and generally that might be enough you always want your veins you know your louvers pointing down to the floor in heating because that's the best way to get the, the warm air down to the floor you may even need to run it at medium that's, or high for a short period yes yeah that's you know and yeah. then drop it down auto fan speed it might work well on your unit but generally the auto fan speed when it thinks it's reached temperature it might only lower it as low as medium which really which my which my cassette unit at home in my my garden office does it only ever drops it down to medium and then it ends up cycling off if i drop the fan speed down to slow on the controller myself it runs maybe for another five or ten minutes before it has to cycle off on, of on a mild day um, so uh, interesting point about the louvers. So I've, when we were doing the heating, I figured out that we should point the louvers right down uh, to get this. Because if we point it up, we were just heating our heads, basically. And just reset yeah, up, obviously. You've you got that stratification. You, you, you I mean, change the stratification, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's so the what, issue in heating. But, but, but what I've what I failed to recognise, and maybe, I don't really work downstairs, so uh, it didn't really need it. I didn't change them uh, for during the summer when we were trying to cool. Uh. Just, I've just clicked. So you literally just have that cold air dropping to the floor. We need to move it the other way around. For, yeah, if you're visualising cooling the air, you want the air to blanket the ceiling and then it naturally you'd drops. you be able to go on that controller. In cooling, I want them this angle. In heating, I want them this angle. Some of them do. That. Some of them remember what settings uh, you've had well, them in. Okay, right. So this um, is sometimes you can set them into auto, but again, it's all down to the how the manufacturers developed it. I, I believe Mitsubishi Electric remember the difference between heating and cooling. LG, for example, they don't. They literally, it's whatever it is, and it's down to you to change it. This is a Daikin unit. Daikin, yes. Yeah. So Daikin have been around for a long time. Some engineers don't rate them as highly now because they've, you know, they've, they've moved on to R32 refrigerant. It's felt a little bit rushed. And we've, you know, for example, we, we fitted one in an office in, re, in a reception, a cassette unit. And within three months, the compressor burnt out. Uh, again, this comes back to controls. Everyone's valuing, do heat pumps work? Does the box outside work? Yeah. Yeah, it works if you've got the right contract. Like, and, and the same for heating. How efficient is your boiler? Well, yeah. oh, it's 96% efficient. Yeah. Yeah, if it's on the best controls and the best system. Yeah, the for, for the property system. that it's installed in. Exactly. And like, you know? uh, and, and I, I'm so glad that they're so like aligned and with each other. And also, this is empowering the guys on the ground and the boots uh, to be able to provide knowledge. And it's not like, oh, yeah, just get this fitted for the customer. Because although, you know, uh, customers do and, yeah, I don't mind DIY, it's fine. There should be a trade here. And, uh, uh, you know, and I don't like things just being complicated for the sake of it. But is it empowerment of um, uh, uh, people to attack this issue, which is climate change? It's the whole thing of what we're about, empowering the heat geeks. Um, yeah. I'll be going a bit deep there. <laughs> no, but it's very true because, you know, you, you install a system properly, whether it's a boiler or air conditioning or an air-to-air -air system, however you want to call it, you install that properly and the customer's really happy and they tell people. You know, everybody loves walking into a nice cold supermarket on a really yeah. hot day. But if you've got to sit in there or work in there, it's not going to be very pleasant, but it's always nice to walk into a cool space. Less so walking into a red-hot office reception in the, in the winter. It's not nice when you've walked across town. Yeah. So having things set up properly... Um, so yeah. that it's, it's as efficient as possible is the way we should be going. And engineers, we've got some really good engineers because they've had to do those exams to, to understand the refrigerant cycle and, and the best practices. But the control side of it, we're not really up to speed. And it's, it's exactly the same argument as the boiler situation that we've had. It's all down to controls and, and how we move forward with the best settings for the customer's house. That is a large chunk of the Heat Geek course as well. Um, it, it controls. Uh, I, I just hadn't thought of it from the air side yet because of lack of experience. So just well, a lot of these settings follow on yeah. from. So, for example, we, we're going to change our cassette unit, hopefully, to be able to set it to low ceiling height, which will basically reduce the fan speeds. You may go, we need to knock it up a notch because it's, you know, you may need to run it in medium fan speed instead of low because it might not be enough. You've got to tinker. You know, and none of this is dangerous to the system. It's all settings that are just fan speed related. But for example, on a unit, when you change it to read from the indoor unit at ceiling level to read from the controller at lower level, you've then got to take the temperature differential off. So units by default that read from the ceiling usually have an up to four degree temperature deadband. So if you've got 20 
degrees set on the controller. Yeah. Once the room temperature reaches 24 degrees or above at ceiling level, that's when the unit will cycle off because yeah. it's allowing for the air that's risen to ceiling level. Otherwise, yeah. if it was only doing it on a typical half a degree or one degree, yeah, 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 it would yeah. be off all the time. Yeah, of course. But that doesn't work in every room. So once you've changed that on the controller to read from the wired controller, then you need to change the differential bit dead band so that it's reading more like a traditional thermostat would. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. ultimately you're getting more efficiently because you're not overheating by four degrees. Amazing. There's so many things to tinker with here. Like this is fun, super fun. So could you explain in simple terms for the uh, for uh, the viewers what the basic different types of systems are. So I know you can have an outside unit and one internal unit, an outside unit yep. three, and then uh, you either got things on the wall, which are called what, and or the thing yep. behind you, which is called what. And, yep. uh, you know, what, what what options have we got for air to air? Yeah, so there's so many different options now. It's literally quite crazy because obviously we're trying to go into the domestic market. So you've literally got this vast choice of indoor units. So if we start on basic terms, you can have a one-on-one -on -one split, similar to what you might have in an apartment on holiday. You know, you've got a warm amount, a cheap, they are very cheap units, you know, but they work quite effectively. Cheap wall mounts, you've got an indoor unit and an outdoor unit. So there's literally a, one compressor and one indoor unit that, you know, sort of control each other. You then can have a larger system. So again, it's a similar sort of outdoor unit and you can have up to six indoor units fed from the outdoor unit. So, for example, you might have one in your kitchen, you, your living room, and then your bedrooms upstairs, all different types of units, whatever design you want to go for. Um, and what happens is, is all those units have to be in the same operating mode. You can have rooms at different temperatures, but you have to have them all in heating or cooling. You can have individual units turned off if you don't want them on, but you won't be able to have one room in cooling and one room in heating. If you wanted that option, you'd need to move to a VRV or a VRF system. And those mini VRF systems are starting to, you know, they are available now on the domestic market for smaller systems. Previously, there were very large systems designed for offices. So they are available now. Those systems allow you to also have heat recovery. So, for example, if you've got a south-facing south room in heating, sorry, a south-facing room in cooling, cooling. Yeah. you could then do a room in heating on the other side of the house using the heat that would have just been dumped to the outside air. Yeah, yeah. So really brilliant at spring. Does that go via the refrigeration line or via the air ductworks? Obviously, back through the refrigeration. So it's via the refrigeration line. So they'll have a three pipe system, or you'll have a branch. So this, select. Is, this, this is a, uh, a what's this called? A, a split system, right? So these, so the particular system on about now, which is heat recovery, are known as VRF or uh, mini VRF or but VRV, with, mini VRV. But without, so, without, but without the with the one without the heat recovery, uh, we're just talking one unit outside, multiple inside. That's they're, just, they're just known as mini splits. Mini or split. multi splits. You, you know, again, you can have them either just a one-on-one -on -one system or a multiple uh, system. But if you're wanting the heat recovery element, it has to be a, a mini VRV or a, a VRF system. But what does VRV and VRF stand for? So VRV is variable refrigerant volume. And VRF is variable refrigerant flow. Which basically the means thing. modulating. Yes. So you've got um, a, a variable speed compressor. You've also got electronic expansion valves to each unit, whether that's in a branch selector box or in the outdoor unit themselves or in the indoor unit. And that will allow the amount of refrigerant to be varied to allow to basically control the duty and the output of the unit. In, in that area. Yeah. In that particular zone that the unit's installed in or, or serving. All right, so we've got a one a one on one unit. A one so one on one split is just a bog standard, you know, indoor unit on one outdoor unit. That's just a, yeah. a mini split system. We've got a multi a multi split unit, which is basically a bigger version of the mini split, where you've got a one on one. It's the same sort of outdoor unit with a bigger compressor, and you're at, there's various numbers of parts up to about six, where you're able to connect. The, the you know the relevant numbers of, of indoor units to that same larger unit okay here's a question then so the vrv and the vrf units yeah they can take heat energy from somewhere else and put them in there or the other way around yeah can we can we take the heat from the building and put it in the hot water from those units yeah that's been around for a while now yes but again it's something that isn't really talked about that system's already been around for quite a while so again you think of it in the summer You've got, you you know, you want your rooms nice and cool. 
but you don't want to just reject that heat to the outside. So you can actually then put that into cylinders or however you want to store the hot water. And you're filtering and conditioning the air while you're doing you it. You are, you remove the humidity. You know, we've even gone as far now on, on these systems where the control strategies actually also take into account the outdoor humidity and air temperature. Obviously, I already told you that they did earlier in the in the chat. So that was based on basic inverter frequencies based on the outdoor air temperature. But it's now so closely controlled is that we can set the evaporation temperature of the refrigerant. So if it's just say, for example, it's quite mild outside and the air is dry, which we have a lot in this country, less cooling due to may be needed now ordinarily you get you, you put the system on and it'll feel quite cold because it's removing the humidity from the air yeah. and you don't want that cold dumping of air so now the systems will actually run uh, uh, allow the evaporation temperature to to level out and float out so the system isn't over drying the air then if it's a really hot day with high humidity then the evaporation temperature is more of what you'd expect from a traditional system yes. to allow for the air to de be dehumidified and improve those comfort okay. levels. So yeah, yeah. it really is very vast. And some of these VRV and VRF features are now starting to filter through into the lower end systems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The domestic systems. Yeah. So, well, you know, obviously LG system. I mean, that's a lot of my background. I've got LG in my house. I've got a multi-split system. So, we, you know, we're a step up from a basic one-on-one -on -one split. But I'm, my um... multi-split system has a smart load control feature, which allows it to use the outdoor air temperature to set that refrigerant temperature. Um, is that got a specific name where we can... Uh take the heat from the room and put it into the hot water or is that just a normal mini so, yeah so it's obviously vrv or vrf with heat recovery so or you've you like i say you've got the lg systems which have got their it's own version of that basically. but you, you basically have a hydro box which looks a little bit like your boiler oh okay you so then that will send fridge line through a plate i'm guessing yep. and then on the plate you've got a wet side that goes through a coil yeah or so actually you wouldn't even need a coil would you you just go you just have the domestic hot water going through the plate well, this is it. So you'll have like a branch selector box, which basically diverts the refrigerant. So you'll have three pipe refrigerant. So a traditional system is a two pipe system. You'll have your liquid and your gas lines yeah. and the refrigerant will flow whichever way, okay. it, whichever mode it's in. A three pipe system allows the third pipe to send the refrigerant to whatever, you know, whether you're heating it or you're, you're sending it to hot water. And it'll allow a certain amount to go to the outdoor unit if, if it needs to get rid of, of excess heat. Can Still. those units and do those units use R32 or uh, R290 so we can get to anti-Legionella temperatures? Yes, yeah, so some of them now are developed really quite high temperatures now, so you, it's not really an issue anymore. R32, yes, that's coming out now. I believe now Dakin have even invented a VRV that is R32 because it was always above a certain amount of um, refrigerant, certain kilograms of refrigerant that you were allowed to use R32, and they've now developed that. Okay, that's cool. So you have got there, but it's, it's like the, the choice of indoor units. You know, we said earlier about the um, radiant is the best form of heat, and it, it generally is. You can be comfortable in a room with underfloor heating or radiators, provided you've got the right, you know, level of insulation. You can be comfortable in a room at 19 or 20 degrees. The only downside is, is using just air to deliver that heat is you've got to maybe have that set at a slightly higher temperature. But I couldn't say for sure whether that's an impact on the efficiency because we're no. delivering directly into oh. the air rather than trying to transfer that into water, first of all. So Absolutely. this is something would be really interesting to know. So let's assume the scops are the same or air to air is slightly better. If the room temperature is slightly hotter, doesn't matter if it's better efficiency, you're still losing more heat from the building. Yeah. And the other thing to, important to realize is that no system is only radiant or convective. With a radiant system, you eventually heat the air. So you end yeah. up with a bit of both. And with a convective yeah. system, you eventually heat the walls. So you end up with a bit of yeah. both. It's just the amount of each. And then they kind of settle just slightly offset. They, they start off very different and then they kind of yeah. settle together and, and i think it's the choice of the indoor unit as well so if you're if you're going right this is going to be my new heating system i want rid of my radiators because i want to save wall space you may go for a high wall unit you know you know the standard wall mount units or you may go for ducted yeah, the, yeah. the downside to those is obviously it's getting that heat pushed down to the floor it's generally not a problem if they're set up properly but there's all sorts of grills now yeah. that for example the ones in my bedrooms upstairs they've got like a wax element in them so when the airflow starts to warm up they open the blades to automatically there's no electric and they point the airflow down 
Nice. And then when it, when the airflow cools, they close back up yeah, to yeah. direct the air across the ceiling. Right. But you, your day can next year a floor console units they are designed to go where a radiator would go at the same height they have a radiant heating panel in them so you know these also give radiant heat out as well so you've got that same kind of heat because everybody misses that that's what people miss when you move over to air to air from a wet system with radiators so you know those units also blow air out warm air out at feet level so you're getting that benefit of floor. You know, you want to warm a room up from the floor upwards or as low to the floor as yeah, possible. Absolutely. Yeah, that's why the radiators are on the floor. Yeah. Absolutely. It creates a natural convection. And cooling, you need to set, if you know, if it's a floor-mounted unit, you want to send it up to the ceiling. Exactly. You don't want to direct it out. You're working if... with convection. If you create yeah. the heat source at the ground, you don't need to turn up the fan. It will naturally create circulation. Same for cooling. Put it up high, it naturally convects and creates. Absolutely. And it mixes with the air that's already rising. So exactly. that's kind of what you want. You know, I'm, I'm really big on what the Americans do. They have ceiling fans and they use them in reverse and that really mixes Strap the line. air up. Yeah, 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 you know, because if you, you know, people with vaulted ceilings, all that kind of well, thing is, I mean, you've got so much heat or even with wood burners. Okay, I've got an arguments against that. So um, let's say we've got a cassette or whatever you want, or, yeah. or a vent. So it's cassettes or vents, basically, we're talking about, isn't it? There's no other... So cassettes, wall mounts... So a wall mounted unit, a high wall, you know, a typical yeah. like you yeah. have in an office or yeah. whatever, or in a, in a holiday apartment, they're wall, wall mounted units. Okay. The one in your office is a ceiling mounted cassette. Okay. Then you've got so, ducted units or floor console units, however right, they okay. look. Right, with you. So my argument back against that would be um, if you allow just that fan to circulate, let's say it's uh, let's say it's in cooling. So uh, yeah, or, or yeah, let's say it's in cooling. It's sending out cool air and the warm air is coming up from underneath, you'll get a better DT or a better heat transfer across the heat exchanger because you're going from a hotter to a colder. Wider the delta T, the better the heat transfer, or yeah. the, or the heat exchanger in there so big it doesn't really matter. If I reverse that and say we're blowing down hot air, um, yeah. uh, sorry, we're blowing yeah down hot air, which is hopefully pushing colder air back in, um, if we instead mixed up that stra- and de-stratified that building, you'd have slightly warmer air coming in that should be boosted a bit, that, in theory, for heat transfer, would lower the tr- heat transfer coefficient, which would lower the efficiency in general. But I don't know if that's a, a localised efficiency drop rather than uh, a whole system efficiency drop. Does that question? Yeah, I think if you think of it, if you've, if you've got these layers of air in a room and say you've got 26 degrees near the top of the ceiling, again, it depends on the property, doesn't it? But I've got ceiling fans, and I know for a fact when, when I've got the units on in heating, it gets the room up to temperature quicker if I run the ceiling fan okay. because it's just stirring that air and you get a more even temperature. I suppose there's two questions there, you know, because for me, speed of heat up shouldn't be important. It should yeah. just be comfortable when you walk in there, whether you yeah, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, if you're quicker, but less efficient, I'm all about efficiency. I'd rather be efficient, but uh, assuming in both scenarios, I'm comfortable. Like that's yeah. obviously a given that has to be consistent. And um, so as long as you're comfortable, who cares what speed it is? Totally, yeah. Well, totally. But I think when you if you walk into a cold room, you've got and then you start introducing warm air, the warm air starts pushing down, doesn't it? So it's purely a comfort thing. You you know, you naturally want to be warm as quick as possible. Yeah, well, but sure. an air source heat cold? pump, you'd probably run it on lower most of the time. What why is the room cold though? Because um, like if we're talking about keeping our um fan yeah. speed low possible to yeah. in scops, I mean as is the main energy is the compressor, not the fan speed as well. Yeah, part. yeah. But um uh, uh, but the, if 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 the compressor sort of running at lower temperature yeah. and, it increases scop as well yeah. uh, then don't we want to come from a, 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 a don't let the house don't if, if the room has to come back from yeah. colder to hotter refrigerant's going to have to you know jump up and work harder we lose efficiency don't we so isn't it isn't there some like setback that we should like oh, absolutely yeah it's the same sort of thing it will yeah. you know air to air is generally a bit more if you let the room temperature drop it's the fabric and everything in that room that is also sucking the heat out isn't it so you know your air temperature might be quite pleasant but you go and sit on that cold sofa and you're going to feel quite chilly so i think really you know it's just good to stir up that air really that's i think it's just and have an even temperature um i think the benefit of using a ceiling fan in summer is it allows you to set the the set point higher yes because you've then got that natural cooling from that 
Yes. So, you know, in summer, you can use a ceiling fan to, again, just mix the air up. But because you're getting that air movement across the body, you, you might be then comfortable at 24 degrees instead of having to set it to 21. Yeah. And, and then there's another thing here, like uh, and you should really put heating systems in a house for the house, not for the occupants. Yeah. However, if you're only in your house uh, and awake in your house two hours in the evening and one hour in the morning, why wouldn't you just go air to air like a quick little blast here and a little blast yeah. there, rather than getting a whole wet system going, which runs better when it's more continued. So there's lots of variables to kind of consider. However, I like to say, I would kind of size it to the property in general. Um, so we've got one-to-ones, mini splits, uh, the different types of uh, either cassettes or wall consoles or floor consoles. You have to forgive me if you've got the, the names wrong. Is there any other type of air to air type thing that we've missed from this kind of, um uh, i suppose uh what about um mvhr like would that just be considered like um uh, a, a post heater or a post cooler depends uh, how far you want to go because i do believe there are companies now you know they did if, if you move on to the commercial setting so if we look at an, an air handling unit for an, an office building that unit will heat cool dehumidify even humidify the incoming air and to whatever grade filtration you want that to be that is you know really really doing major stuff with the incoming fresh air a mechanical heat recovery system is obviously using the extract air to preheat or pre-cool the incoming fresh air and filter it that's pretty much yeah but then, and then on top of that you can my, my my thing is so you've got the mvhr which you know yeah. uh, exchanges the heat but then you put yeah. you can put post coolers and post heaters on which go back to a um yeah you can yeah that, that can there's so many different configurations is the the, the issue we've got is that these air-to-air systems got really bad names. I remember that I can't remember where it was now, but there was a, there was a company that I think it was Neeb N I B E. Yeah, they yeah. In, there was a housing association that yeah, installed yeah. them in this thing, and they had such a bad thing because they basically put this little three hundred watt compressor unit bringing in fresh air, and then expected that to provide the heat output oh. of the house, which was quite well insulated. Yeah, and it no, just didn't work, and people no, no, then no, ended no. up using there, fan heaters. There was a lot there in how they were installed, and I think yeah. it was more how they were installed and. Um, tweaked because i think they were put in by plumbers basically uh, yeah um, but yeah I, there, yeah there's a whole story there i think quite a lot of people know about that one uh, you, the that, general public will hear that and go oh i'm not you'll read the google them. reviews outdated google reviews i know um so with the ducting like you've got the ducted um unit with the vent uh, uh, above yeah. you isn't it an absolute pain to run ducting and then box it in through like our old housing store or normal houses? Like, is it, it or or is there ways of kind of getting around it where actually it's not as bad as you might think? So, like the units down here, there's literally the unit, and then there's a grill fitted onto the front of the unit, and then I've I've obviously made a feature out of it and dropped the drop the ceiling a little bit there in the kitchen. So mm. it, it depends how you want it to look, you know. It, I think it looks quite right, so smart. That, that's, not ducted, oh, that's not ducted too. That's just the... It's a ducted unit, as in it's designed, it can have ductwork on, but it's literally just a unit in the ceiling with plasterboard around it. And then there's an intake, a chrome duct, intake grill underneath and then a supply grill on the front and that's pretty much how they are installed in hotel rooms when you see them in a hotel room with a grill it's the same sort of thing or you may have a very small piece of of, of ductwork to branch between the unit and the grill and that's from there, these are low static ductwork units so they're designed to go in them sort of spaces yeah yeah, 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 yeah. then you can you know you can you know this can also have maybe up to maybe a couple of meters of ductwork on the front that you know because the fans are designed for that kind of thing then you've got your medium and high static pressure units they look the same you know they're slightly bigger but they're designed for you know commercial settings where you've generally got longer duct work yes, yes, but yes. so most people would be get away with a low static unit um in the loft the installation things the same so it's flexible duct work there's a little filter thing that i lift out you could have that installed in the intake in the room if you wanted but it, it depends on how you want it to look you know for me it doesn't bother me going up into the loft to to clean the filter you know but some people might want to be able to do that from the room that they're in okay this might um uh, be a, a strange thing um would it be more in, uh, efficient in the summer? I just let my mind wander here. So yeah, clean, uh, cool the building, and I'm talking yeah. about RF uh, heat recovery type system. Um, cool the building about put it in the hot water. Cooling the loft, literally, because that's where like most of the heat is. Would we get more efficiency because we're going from a hotter source? 
um, uh, to put in the hot water rather than cooling down the living room. So let's say we didn't really care too much about the the um, the temperature of the kitchen, which is actually really hot. If the loft was hotter, would we get more efficiency from dragging from there and putting that in our hot water? Or is it much of a muchness? Not really consider it, to be honest. I mean, if you think a loft may get up to 50, 60 degrees, would you really want that going across the indoor units that are designed for a certain temperature range? I mean... <laughs> I mean, I have a fresh air system that I designed and built myself. I've got literally a mini air handling unit in my loft. And that just brings fresh filtered air into the house. But I have thought of doing that before of in the summer, right? Because it does. I mean, it's not, you know, at the end of the day, I want a fresh air. I live next to the motorway. In the summer, it brings whatever temperature air is in from outside. But in the winter, when I used to run the, the gas central heating, it used to have a water battery and connected to the boiler. So, you know, to pre-temper the incoming air, but to use, I mean, when it was first installed and they were doing the commissioning, it was in summer and they had it running in the loft. And this right. is just a 1930s house with yeah. the typical slate. There's no insulation in under, under the roof. I've got normal loft insulation and it cooled the loft down. It worked, you know, so you could potentially, you know, use your, your loft as a return plenum potentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But really, once that water's heated up, it's done, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So unless yeah, you're yeah, drawing yeah, loads yeah. of water off. I, I just kind of like... I, you've got an infinite heat source, haven't you, when you're cooling in the summer pretty much? Uh, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. And um, especially if you've got, uh, um, you know, French doors or whatever pointing south, like that's where the heat source is because that's where it really comes from to get to the loft anyway. And cooling your loft, you're going to be wasting energy because you're not, unless you're occupying that space. Yeah, I mean, um, y y well, because I suppose you're going to get some, and we're really going off track, so this might get edited out, but I like this kind of thinking. Uh, like, let's say, like, so your your loft is actually getting solar, it's a solar panel, basically. Yeah, yeah, all, yeah. But also, yeah, you're like getting, a greenhouse effect. Exactly, and yeah. you're getting heat from the house. So if you call your loft, more heat will leave your house to go into that loft. Like that's yeah. the point. Plus, you've got these solar panels, basically. So I'm kind of, but this is just like. So the thing there to remember, if you think, right, so your ceilings, your ceilings that separate your bedrooms from your loft are generally insulated or they should be. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, to yeah. get the heat transfer yeah. enough to, you know, to have a benefit to cool the house, yeah. that you'd be looking at chilled beam territory. Yeah, yeah. So chilled beams in a commercial setting work by cold water going through a, a beam and it allows on natural convection currents in the room to cool the air, but you need the transfer. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. Yeah. in theory, yeah, you, you, you remove the heat from the loft, you're going to get a cool loft, but to, it wouldn't give you any well, benefit. I'll tell you what I like about all of this and uh, all the different options is that you get to create something bespoke and, and play around with those kind yeah. of ideas to like the, the amount of options like just seem absolutely endless. With normal wet heating, it's like if you can go on the floor, like that's just the winner. Yeah. Um, uh, and if you can't, get as big a radiator as possible. I will say, Adam, right, is refrigerant for refri for the refrigerant cycle to work properly. There's certain parameters that the system will, you know, you know, you can't, you couldn't, for example, you know, you could have the air blowing out of the unit and cooling, which mine does. It can come out as high as 16 degrees, depending on the outdoor air temperature. Now, in a t if in an office environment with loads of people, that you'd have to really oversight. That's called uh, that kind of system would have to be really oversized to deliver the same amount of cooling at 16 degrees. That's called sensible cooling. So, in a house, to do the same sort of thing, yes. you'd you'd have to massively oversize the system. But yeah. I think it's important to know is when you use these air to water systems, you can have them same sort of indoor units. Mm. So instead of a radiator, you, like you've obviously tried to use the radiators to do the cooling. And, and you know, you, there was a cooling benefit there. But when you added the fans, it was even better. Yeah. You could, instead of radiators, you could go for wall mount units or whatever choice. Yeah, you yeah, want. yeah. Well, I mean, we, we, we've and got the we've, settings, we've Jaegers, like Jaeger radiators. And, you know, the settings, like you've seen, you can set that chilled water temperature on a, cur on a linear curve. Yes, yes, yes. So you can have really gentle cooling, which delivers the most efficiency. Um, and then the same for heating, you would be able to set the floor temperature that the fan coil unit's doing. And you'll probably be able to set that fan coil unit to, to be something like 25 degrees, whereas on a radiator, you might need 30 odd degrees mm. because you're using its, it's fan assisted. Yeah, yeah, of course. You've got better heat. heat, uh, heat. Yeah. Um, awesome. Um, is there anything you think's missing from this that we talked about previously or that needed updating from my previous video? 
No, I think that's everything, really. I think, you know, fan-assisted units, you are getting the most efficiency because you are delivering the heat directly into the space rather than it being transferred from water. But, again, what at the moment, the water systems, because you can set separate chilled and, water, you know, hot water temperatures, you've got more efficiency at your fingertips straight away. Um, but, again, most people are going to go for radiators. Quick question, then. What do you know what the average like best scops are with a, a air to air system? It varies so much. It depends on how much you want to spend on a system. The best scenario. Would you get above five? I think in some situations you can get above five. I think it's important to note as well is if you go for a one on one split, that system has been optimized for the indoor unit. Yeah. You have a multiple split system and say you just ran one indoor unit. Yeah. Um, or that you know that's how you ever ran the system. You like you fitted all these units, and you only have one or one run one unit. You're running one big compressor outside. That compressor's got a certain amount, minimum amount that it can turn back down by. So multi split systems are good if you use the system all at the same time. You know, or you might size it to only do the downstairs during the day and the upstairs at night. So you, the, it's a very very wide and varied question okay. is that because it uh, depends on the install so you said uh, uh and we were kind of aware of this you need to size for cooling a lot bigger than you do for heating if we're using just an air-to-air system and it's running seven seven months of the year is typical for heating for heating to run um obviously that's where most of the efficiency is and to get that the most efficient we need to size the unit well so if we put in an air-to-air system for heating uh, is it more going to perhaps be comfort cooling when it gets to like 40 degrees outside or whatever, like it was down south not too long ago, um, uh, rather than a targeted temperature in the room? I think it depends. So, yeah, because it's all down to humidity, isn't it? If, if the humidity is, if the air, so think of like Las Vegas, you could go to Las Vegas and it's 50 degrees, but the humidity might be Fine. 10%, and yeah, you, yeah. it'll feel blistering hot. But you, the sweat will evaporate. Yeah, you yeah, go yeah. to somewhere where it's really humid or something, you know, the south coast of Spain, and it's really uncomfortable at 30-odd degrees. And it's yeah, the same yeah. in this country. It's our yeah. homes are designed to keep that heat in. So yeah. I think it's important to understand that how the two work. But I think to get – it's just hard to explain, really. I'm just having I, a, I, I think, I think I think the point you just made is really important. People get obsessive about the temperature when actually yeah. they want is to be comfortable. It's the yeah. same. It's the same thing with cust- uh, people say, or engineers often say, "Oh, my customers want to make sure the ra- radiators are ra- ra- blazing hot." Or you get a call from the customer, "Why are my radiators hot?" What temperature are you? Yeah. Forget about the temperature of the radiator, and we're going one step further than that. Forget about what the wall says. Oh, it's not twenty-one. You want to be twenty? Yeah. Are you comfortable? Yeah, I'm pretty chilly actually. I've got a jumper on. Well, then yeah. don't stop worrying. Well, this is it. You look at a number and, and and comfort. Everyone's got a different comfort level. I mean, what we've we do well, we used to do in with controllers that were in offices available for people to touch. On Mitsubishi Electric, you used to be able to set one of the settings so that there would be a you know they may be only able to adjust it two degrees either way of what the set point is yeah and once they turned it up above that yeah the unit will still only be able to go to 24 degrees but it looked to them like they'd set it to 30 they degrees feel comfortable and and oh yeah i'm lovely and warm now or you know even just by saying to people oh we've made adjustments to the temperature yeah. and yeah. you might not have made adjustments to the temperature but you've allowed that person there's to there's a settle. lot of psychology there um so you could be at the same temperature the same humidity uh, look outside and it's sunny and feel hot and then you could see snow and you could literally feel cold like that is literally how things work this is it then I think it's the radiant effect through yeah. the window as well and everything else. Go Another on. point to make where you've just said about we generally oversize the cooling, yeah, it's actually the other way around. So okay. air conditioning, you, well, this is my opinion, and I think this is, this, so if you've got 20 degrees outside, yeah. you're probably looking to control the temperature, you know, or 30 degrees, you're looking to control the temperature inside to 22 degrees, for example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've got less of a difference. So it's easier to cool a room than it is to heat where if it's five, if it's zero degrees outside and you want 22, there's a bigger difference differential. So you need more heating to deliver that same temperature. Yeah, no, but the, the, the problem I, um, uh, as far as I understood, so if we only looked at temperature differential and we looked at insulation, that would be correct. But uh, when we're cooling, we're doing the temperature differential either side of the insulation, which are the walls and windows, plus we've got internal gains of X, Y or Z, which would be yeah. a south-facing window, which you'd have to 
Um, uh, so you're saying 21 inside to to 30 outside, and you want to do cooling. Yeah. You're only factoring in the insulation, but now you need to factor in. It's not actually 21 inside because we've got all of this thermal energy being radiated from the sun, plus someone's drying their hair with a hairdryer. Whereas yeah. with cooling, you're not saying oh, there's someone um, uh, who's refrigerating inside somehow. I don't know. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You're not yeah, creating... Yeah. Not well, this, again, this is down to people being sensible. So, you you, you know, again, we'll, we'll use the analogy of an office building. And I've had this before, is the tenants will complain that it's red hot on the floor. And you'll go up to the floor because, the, the you know, the, the building management system's saying that everything's within temperature and there's no issues. But you go up to the floor, they've got no blinds fitted on the windows. And it's like, well, what would you do at home? Would you ever shut your curtains yeah. to try and keep the heat out? So they expect you to sort, you know, make the air conditioning colder yeah. to combat that that radiant heat. Yeah. Like in your car, for example, on my car, I have to set it down to 16 before I'm comfortable in the car because yeah. I need that higher airflow because of the radiant heat element. So, you, you know, it's all these different things. It's a little bit like how the sun on a, on, a, on a very cold day, you can sit outside and have a coffee at a coffee shop because that radiant heat is so more powerful than, than the cold air around it. Mm-hmm. But it's the same with cooling. Is you, yeah. Like you say, if you have solar gain, you need to take reasonable steps to try and reduce that through, you know, through blinds or just, you know, other sort of methods on the windows to reduce yeah. that. And then you ca- you don't have to be as extreme. If, if we was to size every building or home to account for those well, few days of sunshine we get, I mean, we've had a really good summer this year. Yeah. You would just end up with the systems completely cycling. You would have no realms yeah, to, you lose to do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And even on a day, if you slightly undersize that system and you get the worst case scenario days, your rooms may be a little bit warmer than the set point you're asking for. But generally the room, you're still going to be more comfortable than what you would be outside. Uh, So, yeah, thanks again for coming on the show. And um, I think we're definitely going to have you on again if you're, um, yeah, if you're up for it. Yeah, brilliant. That'd be great, Adam. Yeah. Thanks very much.